All right, you've laid the groundwork. You've, again, decided you want to be a traveler or you want to learn more about becoming a successful traveler, whichever the case may be. You've done all that prep work. You feel confident. You're ready to go. We're going to talk about phase two, part two of Newbie Bootcamp, which is securing your first assignment. This is what everyone wants to get to. Again, well, I'll tell you later, but I, don't rush that first episode. Part one is more important, but today... On this week's edition of Travel Evolve, we're going to talk about securing that first assignment. All the things that are going to go into that, what you need to be aware of, what you need to look for. We're going to jump into all of it on Newbie Bootcamp Part 2 on this week's edition of Travel Evolved. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Travel Evolved. I am Mark Holloway, CEO of NextGen MedStaff. Bringing this to you, NextGen MedStaff is, I guess, sponsoring. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Hey, on that note, I want to say one thing. I do know that recently, again, you guys may know that I'm not a healthcare guy. I mean, this is not my, this was not what I got my education in. I'm an advertising major, ironically. And what's so funny is that the moment I graduated from college, I'm so old that the World Wide Web, as they were calling it back then, kind of came out right after I graduated. None of us in marketing or advertising were taught anything about it because no one knew what it was going to become. So I rely, I'm smart enough to know that I don't know everything for sure. And I certainly am humbled frequently about advertising and marketing this day and age. It's a completely different ballgame. You know, I, I was raised and taught by professors that were in the, the mad, you know, the Mad Men era. I mean, just ridiculously whatever era where you go out and have martinis at lunches and you were selling and how to figure out how to sell stuff. This stuff is different. So I'm, I'm, that's a long story to tell you that recently we actually did put some sponsorship on Travel Evolved. It is not to make money. It is because the, the, you know, the 
it it gets put out there more when you actually have some sponsorship to it those podcast platform podcast platforms wow it's late YouTube, uh, we're not sponsored on YouTube, but on the podcast platforms, it actually markets your 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 stuff more. So it is, I mean, our audience is, listen, we're not Joe Rogan or anybody like that. Our audience is not big enough. Anybody that's ever done anything like this will tell you. I'll put it this way. I think we've got like $2 in the thing. It is not meant for that. And I apologize. I know it's a pain in the butt, but do understand that we're not doing it for monetary reasons. It, it's We're not going to be that big. There's not enough healthcare travelers that will ever probably watch us or listen to us. To make any any whatever maybe in 10 years i'll be able to take the staff out for a lunch probably not because in 10 years the cost of living will be even higher than it is right now but i didn't want to explain that and i apologize for the interruptions during the podcast if you don't like that go to the youtube it's not sponsored yet i don't know if it ever will be but it does help to market this a little bit more it there's they want you to do that they actually want me to read sponsored ads that would help i'm not going to go that far they want you to have people pay to subscribe commercial free i'm not going to do that and they also want to open up for people to donate money for all the education time listen we're doing this at next gen med staff because we think it's important i did share with you guys in episode 99 if you haven't watched that one it's all about next gen med staff and we did promote the crap out of our company in that one um, because we thought it was important and it would be stupid not to but we feel and still do that educated travelers our company our agency our recruiterless app makes more sense to an educated traveler. So why not educate travelers? It is about time anyway. So we're so lucky that the two go hand in hand. We aren't one of those companies that have to feel like we've got to keep secrets from you. I actually believe and always have, the more knowledgeable you are, the more we make sense. And you know that's part of it. So for those of you that are newbies, we might not make a lot of sense. I've said before, I think, that for a lot of brand new travelers, a recruiter model might make more sense. I mean, I, really, I guess I really do think that. I think that if you're lucky enough, we've had a lot of people that never traveled before. You know, as you guys may know, I literally talk to every single person that starts or is about to start an assignment with our company. I think it's important, and I ask them about the app and what their experience was. I ask for ways to improve how the customer service was going, making sure it felt just like an, another agency. It just the salesmanship was taken out. But it's it's not that often that we get somebody that's that has never traveled before. Um, it's almost unfortunate because when they do, there's not a lot of comparison. So we don't look as good as we do for those that have been with the recruiter model for so long. All right, enough of the self-promotion. I didn't mean to go that way. But what I'm getting at is that um, we did that so that people, more people would find us. I mean, we really want more people to see this series, to see this these episodes. We think they're important. You know, I, I love the fact that I'm lucky that I, I that educating travelers goes hand in hand with what we're doing. So know that i mean just again i'm always transparent it's it it's if it wasn't i've done stuff like this before even when we were a recruiter agency you guys all that know me long enough know i've always been educating travelers i think that's important i used to pay more than anybody else so i wanted people to know what they were walking away from there was always a method to my madness but this kind of whole thing is it just goes hand in hand and it's i'm just lucky and that's why i'm so happy that's why i sleep good at night that's why i love what i do again which i didn't think i was going to ever again I didn't like the way the industry was headed, but I love doing this because I can help travelers and I also think I can help the company I'm a CEO of because I think we look more attractive to the ones that understand what's going on and they understand the differences between us and everybody else, uh, if not most other companies. So at any rate, we are going to jump into part two today. Um, a lot more stuff here today because there's just some things I want to talk about. I'm going to pre-qualify this and say, and I'll tell everybody this, 
if you hear me repeat things on episodes, it just means you're a devout listener, and I, I love you, and I appreciate you, and thank you for that. I can't always guarantee that everyone that's watching this isn't the first time they've ever seen us. So please understand that when I repeat things like we're going to talk about here today about proper pay and how you should be paid, I know that gets monotonous for those that listen to every episode, but it reaffirms that. But I also am doing it because I think there's people that have never listened to anything else I've done, and this is the first thing they've ever caught. So I want them to get an understanding of of how the industry has changed and how travelers are accepting things that aren't that they shouldn't be accepting. So any rate, it's, it's, uh, I'm recording this on Halloween. I don't usually record on weekdays. Certainly, I, I have done some weeknights before. I don't think I've ever done one. Maybe I have out here in California, but um, I waited because it was it's Halloween, so it's the 31st of October, which is a Tuesday night. I don't usually record on that. I will admit I just finished watching a hockey game. I was waiting for it to cool off down here because it was actually like 82 degrees here, and I'm, I'm right on the coast. Um, basically, I'm two blocks from the beach currently and and so usually we get some wind but i was it's just beautiful here I, I, it's i just love it it's uh it's still if i have a look behind it's still 78 degrees here so i was hoping it would cool off it hasn't yet so i'm a little warm but i've got the air the window opens and i'm trying to see how it goes so bear with me again probably a whole bunch of unnecessary stuff we're going to talk today the subtitle of this episode is again securing your first assignment a lot here the first thing I want to say is I want to implore a lot of you that I, I re-listened to the audio of part one of Newbie Boot Camp, and I understand why I wrote the episode the way I did. I didn't want to repeat, you know, 100 and whatever episodes of information that we've already heard. So I feel a little bit bad because I went back and just kind of told you to listen to some episodes. I should have done a little bit more detail on some of that stuff, but I really will tell you that before you start listening to this episode, if you didn't go back and listen to some of those critical episodes about company margins, how agencies make money, how recruiters make money, the pie for sure, all of those episodes that I highlighted and many others, I think you should stop and I think you should go back and listen to those before you move into this. You're not ready to start taking your first assignment, in my opinion. And just, you know, again, download a few, listen to them. I know that, listen, it's it's got to be tough. I don't watch these or listen to them after I record them, uh, because I I can't stand it because I just don't trust me. If you ever do anything like this, social media just do you you won't watch yourself either because it'll you'll drive yourself nuts. So I don't do that. I know how hard that is to sit there and listen to me just go blah 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 blah. And a lot of those episodes are just me because I want to get things out. I I'm, I put bullet points down as you guys can probably clearly see, but everything I say is from up here based upon the information that I've, I've given myself some cues for because it's 20 almost 25 years of that in a month it'll be it'll be 25 years I think I actually started sometime around mid-November of is it was it two 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 that is it been 20 maybe it's 24 years I may be saying the wrong number maybe it's only 24 years I'll have to look I think it was November of, of 1999 so that would be is that 24? Do the math. Let me know. I don't want to do it on camera. Usually I'm really good at math, but it is late. You can probably see what time it is there. So it's late here. So before you start listening to this one, I'm just going to say it one last time. Go back and watch some of these episodes if you haven't. They're important. Please skip the ones that we're talking about food or how to make the most of the assignment, those sorts of things. But the numbers itself, how the business model works, you have to understand the things that you guys don't typically get from anybody else but me, and that is 
what is the agency doing? How does the agency come up with my pay? How does the agency come up with their margins and what's left for me? How do taxes work? You know, what is tax? What are they paying? What are they paying taxes on? And what aren't they paying taxes on? You know, again, we just did a few episodes ago with my good friend Joe Conte. We got to understand about taxes and that sort of thing. These are all really important before you start talking to companies. Okay, so I'll qualify with that. So here we go. We're going to assume now that you've done all that work, you've listened to that, you've talked to your peers, by the way, not just me, and now you, in fact, already start reaching out and starting to talk to some agencies about, let's, let me, I'm ready to go. You know, you've, you've got things cleared personally, you know, I don't, you know whether you are single or you've got a partner or a spouse and you've got kids and all that stuff has been taken care of. You know that you can, you know, hopefully you've left and are leaving with good terms on your, on your permanent facility. Uh, you always want to do that because you just never know when this lifestyle will no longer be for you. So I would urge you to say that. I should have done that in the first episode, but I didn't. Um, and we're going to assume now that you're ready to go. So it is really where you're starting to go out and reach out and find some companies. The first thing I want to talk about is that you kind of need to do that sooner than you think. Now, I think that goes for almost any time. Again, I keep referencing the pandemic, and I don't know how, how to stop referencing it because it's such an unusual time frame that that was probably the one time period and it was it obviously was about two and a half years maybe even three for those that jumped in early and stayed till the very end that you could get assignments like that i mean i can't tell you how many you know hospitals were doing auto offers where you send the right information like yeah send them send her they, they just needed bodies and they were less um, scrupulous if you will or they they, they were less detail oriented on, on who they were choosing they just needed patient care and that i don't know if that'll ever happen again um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but more often than not, and especially right now, again, we're recording this on Halloween of 2023, and I so it, this may not age well, we'll see, but I'm hoping that there aren't as, that many times like there are right now, and right now, things are tight, so again, if you're a newbie traveler, we're kind of assuming here at Travel Evolved and at Next Gen Med Staff that maybe you don't have an awful lot of experience yet in your field of allied or nursing, um, maybe you have a lot of experience, but you don't have any or very, very little amount of travel experience. So if you are in that ballpark, again, like I said last episode, you may have less of a chance. I'm just going to throw it out there like it is. The less experience you have and the less travel experience you have, that is going to hinder you, which means you have to be aware of the obstacles in front of you, which means, again, we're going to talk about marketability quite extensively today. That's part of it. And I mentioned it a lot last week where you really have to consider opening up some options. You, And again, only you guys know this. So some recruiters are hesitant to tell you, but I will tell you that you have to be treat. You have to treat yourself with an honest approach. How do I stack up next to every other, you know, travel professional that's in, you know, in, in, you know, rehabilitation if I'm a speech language pathologist, nursing if I'm an RN, you know, how do I stack up on paper? And you have to really think about it. What do I look like with the current staff that I've been working with? Am I brand new? Do I have more experience than them? Those are all indicators on how flexible you're going to have to be when it, with regard to the assignments that you're looking for, with regard to pay, potentially location, and, and how popular they're going to be. Because it's all about supply and demand. So please know that before you go through. It could take you longer than you think to secure your first assignment. So number one, don't burn your bridge on your current job until you're really close. Most facilities 
will only require a two weeks notice. Now you'll know better than I do. If you have a four week notice, that is going to be tough to overcome no matter what because you certainly don't want to put in a notice until you secure a job and most hospitals and, and facilities are not willing to wait a month for a traveler once they make them an offer and then obviously you know a month plus based upon you know usually assignments start on Monday so you're gonna have to I guess cross that obstacle but I can tell you, it is almost never where you are can or allowed to give a, a month's notice unless you're talking about, again, we used to see we would get job orders this time, you know, here the last day of October, we'd start seeing January 1st, you know, start dates. That's the one exception, you know, seasonality places where they know they're going to have an increased census. We're not seeing that yet this year. I don't think we're going to. I think they're going to wait until the census is there before they order. Um, we're not seeing that. That's about the only time you can get a four-week notice, which tells you even this year, especially if you're in a four-week notice situation, you're going to have to you're going to have to break that probably if you want to travel. It's going to be almost impossible for you to work your fanny off, get a job, get an offer, sign a contract, and then hope that the hospital is willing to wait a month. They probably won't. So realize that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Go take a little longer than you think. Again, I mentioned this last week, but here is where that creating a business mindset, treating this like you have a, a business now that is about revenue, you know, gaining revenue and how much money you can make, about lowering your expenses, which means you're going to want to, you know, again, you only you know, what am I willing to sacrifice financially as far as how nice the place I'm going to stay in, you know, what is, what is you know, what, how far away am I willing to drive? All those things are up to you, but you have to really consider that with each and every one of these things we're going to talk about today. And we're going to have to look at cost of living and how expensive, you know, those areas are that you are, you know, potentially being submitted to and maybe even getting offers for. So you got to create that business mindset right away. And what I mean by that, and I'll, I'll go into some of that episode here briefly. I already mentioned it. You've got to look at yourself like you are your own, you know, income, cost of goods sold, operating expenses, and bottom line. In other words, everything, sorry, my, I'm supposed to have a superfood shake. I'm going to turn it upside down because it's going to keep going off. Everything is based upon that. So, yes, of course, you know, when you start looking at some of these things, you're going to want to start saying, how much money can I possibly make? And this is where we talked last time. It is a lot about where you want to go. And, th- again, this is up to you, not a, anybody else. Only you know what you're, you're, where you want to go and how much you're willing to make or how little you're willing to make potentially for that, that destination. So for some of you, and you guys know, I I love travelers that are money focused because that's where our company shines. And, you know, especially right now when we're still in that client acquisition mode, I want travelers that want to make as much money as they can at whatever destination they can. My hope is with Next Gen MedStaff and our app is that we have the job you're looking for. Because if we have the job, you're going to make more money with us and that, at that given job. And we basically almost guarantee it. It's it's never happened where our bill rate's been the same so far. Like I said last time, we happened one time, but we found our bill rate wasn't the same. So it was, it was unfair. What we don't have is every job in the country. So if you've got a job across town that we don't have and it pays more, take it. That's the whole point. You should, why would you... Why would I ever convince you not to? You want that revenue stream to be high, and you want to start looking at your expenses and have those being low. 
But also when it comes to creating a business mindset, what I'm also talking about is you have to start looking at, and I think this is important, looking at an annualized yearly income. What do I feel like I need to make annually in order for me to justify becoming a traveler? And I think that's an important thing you need to talk to yourself about. You're making this kind of money here at you know potentially your your you know your home facility, let's assume, and now you're going to step up your game. You want to make money. It has to be a number that makes sense. If it's less than that, it probably doesn't make sense to to go ahead and take this risky lifestyle. And it is risky, ladies and gentlemen. And nobody in my position is willing to tell you guys that it's risky. You're every time you go into that hospital, you are risking. Am I going to get one more day? I know you're signing 13-week contracts, but go back and listen to guaranteed hours. You'll find that you really aren't guaranteed an awful lot because we're not guaranteed an awful lot from the agency. A hospital can terminate you instantly for a variety of reasons, and there's nothing you or we or the vendor, frankly, can do about it. They're going to just they're going to look and find somebody else that, that either fits them better or has a different attitude, or they're just going to realize that maybe they didn't have the need at all, and they're going to drop you, and they're going to make some excuse other than a census decrease so that they don't need you anymore and that they overordered. We all know that. You guys may not, but that could happen. So if you're going to take that risk, there has to be kind of a, a number that you have created in your own head of here is where I need to be financially in order to justify this. And I'll probably, for today's, you know, episode, I'll probably use 100,000. I think it's a good round number. And, and for some of you, that may not be enough. For some of you, that may be more than what you're making. It depends upon your specialty. It depends upon a lot of different things. But I'll use that today. So what I'm getting at is you're looking at making $25,000 for all of your four assignments, even if you extend it one more than once. So it may be three at one place and one more. That's what you're looking at. That has to come into play. And I, and I implore you guys that don't sell yourself short. I understand that right now bill rates are low, which means all companies are paying less. So you may be below that desired. And if it drops below where you think you can get back up to that level, you're probably going to stop traveling. And I would say you probably should because it doesn't justify the risky lifestyle that most of you have enjoyed. You know, unless you just love that lifestyle and, and money isn't as important to you, which some of you are in that boat. So if that's the case, you're looking at, I really want to go to these locations this year. This is where I really want to be for family reasons, for personal reasons. All the things that only you know about. And so that's the other thing you should be thinking about before you contact anybody is here are the things that are important to me. This kind of income potentially, and also maybe this kind of location or a combination of those. So have that in mind before you start talking to some recruiter who's just going to start pushing you, pushing you, pushing you into some positions. It's very, very important. So think about those locations. And again, I kind of already covered this, but it, it really should be those different variables that you're kind of considering. Have it written down so that you aren't going, well, gee, I don't know. Think about the locations that you would be willing to go to. Have a plan A, in other words, you know, especially on locations. I think you have that plan A, B, C financially. And if it drops below C, you probably don't need to be looking at those assignments. For location, I think you should always shoot for where you want to go. If it doesn't pay well enough currently because of seasonality, because of the market trend, or because you're talking to the wrong company, then you put that on the back burner and you say, okay, my plan B is now this. And I think you, most of you should have a potential plan C. Here's the group of states or locations that I'm willing to go to even if the money is less or even if it's less competition, I can get a job there, but I'm not willing to go to the rest of these states. So I've got my A's, my B's, and my C's. I think it's a really good thing to have in mind before you start talking to anybody. Okay, so first thing I want—I already said the first thing. I always do that. First thing I want to say, and I've said like eight things. <laughs> Another thing that I think is important 
here's what I'm going to say now. And this has changed for me, by the way, in the, in the last six months. I now believe currently, and I think this will also change in the next six months, but right now, fall of 2023, I believe you should have at least three different types of agencies that you're contacting them. The thing that's changed for me is I now think currently it's smart to have a monolith, humongous company as one of the companies you're going to call. And again, you tell me anybody else that's in my position that's going to call and, and or it's going to make that call. No one's going to recommend that you even talk to anybody but just the one company that they represent. I think it's crazy. I don't think you should put all your eggs in one basket. And I don't think you should put all your eggs in a monolith basket. I'll explain why. Right now, because of the lowness of positions, and again, when if you're listening to this in 2028, this may not even apply anymore. I don't know. Maybe maybe I would tell you at that point, if, the, if there's a whole bunch of jobs, I would probably take these guys off the list because you're going to make less with these guys than anybody else. That's just the facts. What they bring to the table right now, though, is a whole bunch of positions. And for you, if you're low on experience, years of experience, if you're low on travel experience, this is where you start to build up your on paper profile, if you want to call it that. What do I look like on paper? And these monolith companies are going to get you a job. It might be that plan C. Be willing to look at that. You know, a, a medium sized or a small company might not have any jobs that make sense to you right now because, as I've mentioned many times before, and I just did an episode about monolith companies, you should listen to that now after this one so you kind of understand what you're getting in bed with. Those companies do provide a really good service right now where I think that they could be your plan C. In other words, that could be what I'm going with and you don't have to look at a plan D. Now, they're going to start slamming in front of everything, but you've got to be very careful with talking with those big companies. And I'll explain that too. You are dealing with a humongous company. You are just a number for that recruiter. You are just a number for that company. But again, they may be the ones that can get you a job right now. So right now, currently, I would add those to, the, to that list. I think they would be the first ones I would take off the list if you are if, if the job market is high, if there's a big demand for nurses and for allied professionals right now, I, I would say that would be the first person, first group that I would take off the list because what most new travelers do is they go with these big companies because they get them jobs. And then they leave them when they realize that almost every other agency out there can either match or pay them more. Um, that's where it gets kind of tough. These companies cannot pay a lot. There's reasons. I defended them. I told you why they can't pay a lot. It's their model. It works for them. It makes sense. They are a high volume, have clients everywhere. They can secure a position for you. They're good. Their pay is just a little bit lower because they have higher operating expenses. That's just the way it is. They're also almost all I know one that's not publicly traded, so they've got shareholders and they've got to show profit. So they show profit for their shareholders. There's reasons behind all of this stuff. But if you're new, they're a good, they're a good potential, and I would include them for sure right now. That would be one of the first calls I would make. However, I want to clarify, and I want you to put some instructions. When you talk to one of the, a recruiter from these companies, you need to make it very, very clear, and I would say the same thing with the next group I'm going to talk about, I do not want you submitting me unless you and I specifically talk about this location and you run the pay package by me so I can do some research to see if I want to do it. Because they will. Most companies that are recruiter you know, based, I shouldn't say most, hopefully not most, big companies tend to more frequently, they will start slamming you in front of anything. That recruiter wants his or her commission. So I know you said you wanted you know, Phoenix, next thing you know, you're going in front of Flagstaff, which is like night and day from Phoenix in, in many months of the year. But they'll do it, and you'll take the job because you're like, well, they got me an offer, and it's, it's just bad business. And I would recommend telling them, please don't do that. 
please, please, please don't do that. So qualify that for them. I think it's I think it's kind of very, very important. I want to make sure I'm, I'm going over the stuff I wanted to go over. So yes, yes, yes. You know, okay, good. It's really important that, that you put some limitations on that monolith company, what you are willing and what you are not willing to let them submit you to. The second thing I'm going to, the second group I want to, I want to tell you is that I really would, you know, think right now, especially as a newbie, I, again, I, I can't help but be fully transparent and say, I know you guys always know, I'm going to be really candid with you. I, this is not about promoting everything I'm doing. I'm going to include us. That's a, that our philosophy is number three, so I'll just preempt that right now. I would say that you do need to find a company that has a recruiter that you seem to see eye and eye with. Again, you have now learned these numbers. So the second thing I'll tell you, and I'm going to get more detail on this thing on this as I go. I actually realized I jumped ahead, but I, I want to cover this right now. I think it's important to that, especially if you're a newbie, especially if you don't really feel comfortable with looking at your own stuff and being able to evaluate, I don't know how that can really come into play. Unless, I guess this way, if you haven't listened to most of what we have said in all these hundred, you know, over 100 episodes and you haven't talked to anybody or have a mentor, like I said in the first part of this thing, in part one, I should say, then I do think you absolutely categorically should stick with a recruiter model because I think you need that right now. Again, if you're watching this and it's 2028, I, I, I went on record and said, I think in five years, and I said that a little while ago, if it's Halloween of 2028, I had predicted six, seven, eight months ago that by that time frame, most companies would be on a recruiter list model. We'll find out if I'm right. I could be a little bit off on how long it's going to take. It might be faster. It might be take longer. But I really do think that five years is a long time in our current state of technology. And I think that Again, so if you're listening to this thing five years from now, you may be like, what is he talking about? I don't, that doesn't even make sense anymore. But right now, I think that working with a recruiter makes sense to a lot of you. I think it does give you some things to compare. It helps you compare some prices from some monolith companies. It's going to help you compare some prices for some recruiter list options that I think are important. But here's what I want to say about this, and I'll get into some greater detail in a minute in this episode. I think you really need to pick the right recruiter who also has is working for the right company that has the right margin, if that all makes sense. There's a lot there. And again, if you haven't listened to anything else we've done, none of this is going to make sense to you. You have to make sure that your recruiter understands these numbers, that they're not trying to gloss over you. If you know more about the, the money and how it's being paid and how to properly be paid than your recruiter, you're in trouble. Now, Again, there's a lot of recruiters that don't know as much as you guys do about this. I can promise you that. As of the recording of this episode, most recruiters either don't know, haven't thought about, or are not have not been given permission to talk about proper ways to be paid. And I'm talking about you know, the things that I'm going to go into detail with, hours 36 to 40, overtime, how the whole thing works, orientation hours, how everything is, you know, nothing is, is transparent in our industry except for a few of us agencies. And it's, that's what's got to change. If you have listened to what we're, we're, we are talking about, or you have a mentor or somebody that has really educated you on the numbers and how to really be able to tell good deals from bad deals, and you're in good shape. And I think working with a, finding a recruiter, again, I wouldn't find a company. I, that's changed also for me. Five years ago, I said find the right company, a company that has good margins, that has a good philosophy, doesn't have a lot of turnover with the recruiting. I don't, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think now my mind has changed that you need to find a recruiter that you hit it off with, that you trust 
again, realize these are salespeople, but you have to have a, a good amount of trust with the recruiter that they're submitting you fast, that you're you know being called quickly when there's an opening that matches what you're what you're looking for, that they're not trying to make more commission by keeping more money out of your pocket and into the company's pocket. All these things that we've discussed in detail on Travel Evolved, you need to make sure you're hitting them off with. So I will say right now and and maybe for a while, even if you're a new traveler and have never done this before, I like having it where you've got a monolith company so you can compare that experience with that recruiting experience, that pay package, and the, the abundance of jobs with a recruiter company. And then the last thing I'll talk about is I think you should go with a recruiterless model. It doesn't have to be next-gen med staff. Again, I'm going to predict this. I fully believe that as we move into down the road and as years go by, more and more current companies will have either recruiterless options or they'll be switching to recruiter less or there'll be more and more companies that have recruiterless options as well. Right now, as of recording of this, Next Gen Med Staff is the only company that I know of that is completely recruiterless and it's all app, you know, smartphone based. There is no website where you go and check. We don't want you to go and check and have to be, you know, strapped to a PC or a laptop every time you want to get something or have to check your email to see if a, an email notification came in. We know things change, so we want an app that was with you all the time so when you're done with your shift, I know a lot of you can't even have phones while you're, while you're there, or if you're lucky enough to be able to have a phone, you can use it during a break if you're lucky enough to get one, that you can look and see if you've got any notifications because an app lets you know about the jobs you're looking for and not about the ones you're not. And like I've said before, when you're switching your, your preference around all of a sudden, you know, I, I don't want to go there. I, I still want to go there, but I'm also now going to go to my plan B's and plan C's. You don't have to call a recruiter and hope or recruiters and, and hope that they get that message and they put you into that mix of things too. So they're starting to call you on those. Again, we'll talk about it in greater detail, but I do think that whether it's a web-based and, and you like that model where you can go and see the jobs fine or a recruiterless app, I think that's great. Now, I do want to clarify right now that I'm not talking about a job market app where you know some of these companies I won't mention their names where the companies where they're promoting the top paying companies you guys do need to understand that those those apps that you're using are only promoting the companies that pay them a whole bunch of money monthly to be able to be listed as what they, what they are it's not real it's actually you know complete you know what they're only giving you the top jobs of the companies that are willing to pay them ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month to promote their jobs. There are a ton of companies that don't work with those guys that probably pay more, but they're the ones that are footing that bill. So you guys really need to understand that that it is it is it was a great idea, but it's only a great idea if they truly are letting all agencies participate. You're only seeing the agencies that are paying them a huge chunk to promote their companies. And again, like I've said with this industry. Where do you think that money is inevitably going to come out of? Your pay. It's not the companies who say, well, we're going to take, you know, we're going to go down to a next-gen med staff margin or we're going to go down to 20% because we're getting that person through this type of a marketplace app. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I, I don't think those are... Um, I think they were good for the pandemic because I think you could take some of the bigger companies that are willing to pay those and, and kind of sort them out. But I'll tell you guys right here, I, I honestly will tell you, you are missing out on a whole bunch of companies, not even mine. There's a whole bunch of companies that are paying more for those jobs than those companies. They're only showing you the companies that are paying them to be listed and to be marketed. So please know that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a, an agency that is 
strictly recruiter list, whether you're going to a website, whether you're going to an app on your phone or a combination of those. Or maybe by the time this comes out, there may be some agencies that do both. And I would be looking at just the recruiter list option for those because I think that's important. What that's going to allow you to do is kind of compare some rates. And again, with my company, all I can tell you is that we're still in a client acquisition mode. We were lucky. We started this company out, as you guys know, right, right in the middle of the pandemic. We had the idea beforehand, but our app took a while. So everyone was, was jumping on. We were getting every contract on the planet. Well, now all those contracts are scaled back because we haven't been around long enough to really show what we can do yet. It's still a new concept. So uh, people will jump on our app and go, well, I've not seen a lot. Agreed. Perfect. I'm not telling you, and I hope nobody else does that has a recruiter's model, that you should only stick with us. I don't think that's a good idea right now. Again, for us personally, I can only speak from our, you know, from Next Gen MedStats point of view, right now, Halloween of 2023, uh, I think we would, you'd be crazy to use us as your only option. What most people that, that work with us, and we've had, you know, again, I won't tell you the numbers, but we have a lot of people that are currently working with us and a whole bunch more that, have, that go back and forth. What I'm being told from a lot of people, and I'm sure that some of these other companies that are similar to what we're doing, whether they're web-based or they do a combination of, it is usually people's first choice because the pay is higher. But if you can't find the assignment, you got to go look somewhere else. And that's why I think a combination of those three makes sense. Now, I'm only limiting it to three because I have learned in all my years of experience, and now i got to go back and decide if it's 24 and 20, 25. I'm like one of those old people. I mean, old people, I'm getting there too. Like, my, I remember my grandfather always would say, I'm in my 85th year when he was only 84. So maybe I'm doing that already. I'm pushing a year on top of what I'm at. I don't know. It's either 24 or 25 years here in a month. I want to say maybe it's only 24. I think I just added a year somehow magically. So in all those years, you know, I think that travelers have told me in 24 or 25 years that it's, it is a pain to fill out paperwork for you know more than three companies. Now again, you guys know for us, we don't require a stitch of paperwork. So that's why I am gonna push us. You can see every job we have without having to send a, a, a single iota of paperwork into us, which means you can just, all you have to do is register for the app, which means you put your email in and you verify your phone number and you can instantly see jobs. Now, if you go to apply to one, it's gonna recognize that you're not registered and we can't even text you and say, hey, you know, we need your paperwork. So you're not even allowed to apply. Once you register and do those things, then you can see everything. But you don't even have to give us your cell phone or your email to just view our jobs. We're that comfortable that we say, if someone else has this job at XYZ Hospital, this shift, this specialty, beat it. And if someone does, I'm telling you right now, take it. So that option, to me, makes a lot of sense because I get it. It is hard to fill out paperwork. So that's why I'm kind of limiting this to three. If you are willing to do four or five, I would add another recruiterless option and I would add another recruiter company. I would not add another monolith company. I wouldn't add two recruiter companies. I'll talk about the recruiter companies. I think you've got to find the right fit there. And if you're not seeing what you're looking for, I'm going to tell you to keep looking until you find the right fit. But I think once you found your fit of that recruiter that is coupled with an agency that has good solid pay rates, good reputation, seems to know what they're doing, you may have found your person. And I think it's the recruiter that you are working for, not necessarily the company. I believe that to, to this day. So, all right. I guess a couple of things I want to talk about. Be careful, and let's go into some of this in detail. Be careful of what I just said. I think you should be very careful right now of taking an agency as being what, what your recruiter experience has been. Like I just said, I think the experience has to do with recruiters. Here's what I will tell you. I've said this before. And again, if I repeat myself, it's because I don't know if this is the first time you've watched me. 
yes, if you talk to multiple recruiters at one company and you get the same kind of feel, that's a good feeling because I think that means that they've done a good job at that agency in training and educating and promoting that agency's model. And again, I, I'd be hard-pressed for someone to tell me what is the difference between that agency and any other agency. It's, it's about the impression you get. It means it's well-ran. But if you see, or if you have to talk to anybody else there and you get a different vibe, then it doesn't mean the company's bad. It just means that you clearly have it hit it off and have hit it off with a recruiter. And I think more importantly, that's the biggest part of this industry now. I used to look for recruiters. Everybody out there is doing the same thing. Every recruiter company, whether you're a monolith or, or just starting up, you are looking for the best recruiters to represent you. That is your voice of the company. So you train them and teach them to make your company look good. That's part of their sales job. They, they're doing the best they can. And I've always said, I feel bad for great recruiters who are good people, who are great salespeople, who should be making a lot of money in the industry, that work for companies that have big margins and offer lower pay. That has got to be a tough, a tough thing, and, it, and it's hard. They probably make more money, but they work a lot harder to convince a traveler to take an assignment. I mean, it's, it has got to be difficult. Think about that for a minute. How hard would it be to recruit for a company? And we all know 300 companies plus have the exact same job. So if I'm looking at a job in, let's just say, Sarasota, Florida, I know 300 companies probably have that job. And I'm talking to a great recruiter I love, but they're like one of the lowest paying. So imagine that being your day, day in, day out. It has got to be hard. You're basically trying to hurry up and get someone to book with you and hope that they like you and stay with you. And that works sometimes more so than the money you're making because... What I learned a long time ago is you guys talk. I love that. I think that's important. And you compare paycheck stubs. And why do you think it is your, your agency doesn't want you doing that? If they are scared of you comparing a paycheck stub, more often than not, that's why, because they're low. If they're less nervous about it, that means they're probably one of the higher companies. And that's kind of what you're looking for. So what I'm getting at is don't confuse company with recruiter. I think you should be looking for the right recruiter that happens to work for the right company, that happens to have the right pay package, if that all makes sense. So... Um, it's all about pay rates, and I think that's part of it. So as you're looking for that company, be very, very careful. I would call a lot of companies. I wouldn't just call one monolith company. I would call four or five of them. That's about how many there are. And I would see who you get the best vibe from there. Again, you're probably talking recruiter-wise, but you're also looking at potentially for all these, both these types of companies, and even for a recruiter's model, where do they seem to have most of their positions? This is where you need to tell that recruiter, I'm kind of looking for these locations, I kind of need you to give me a ballpark based upon my experience and my specialty. What's you know what's the average you know going weekly gross at all of these different locations, and you're going to start to see it. Then I would call another you know big company, another medium-sized company, start comparing the pay rates with those. And you've got to do your homework. This is where, again, I'm only sending paperwork into three different companies, but I'm going to call and interview a bunch of them because I think that's very very important. I think it's one of the biggest mistakes newbie travelers make is they trust. A traveler said, I liked XYZ company, and there you just roll with it, and they don't really, they don't really shop around because they're so excited about hitting the road. I understand that, but you got to slow down and, and do this right. Otherwise, you're going to regret every week when you get your paycheck that, man, I wish I would have been smarter. I could have been working at the same hospital with a different agency making you know, a couple of hundred bucks or even 50 bucks more a week. It's, it's going to make you mad. So slow down, interview a ton of them, and look for that combination of who you hit it off with, who has the best pay rate, and you know who seems to have a good reputation as a company. That's what you're looking for with those kinds kinds of things. So compare all those rates. Put them on paper. You know, try to see if you can get very similar jobs. And and, I, and unfortunately, I think you have to have the exact same job. You can't compare one job in Houston, Texas, with a whole different system that one company has. You know, A, another company has B. If one's higher, that doesn't really tell you 
who is paying higher. It just means that hospital's bill rate is higher. Please know that. Go back and, and listen to those episodes if any of this is foreign to you. You really need to be looking at the exact same position. That's the best way to be able to compare. Uh, you know, nothing frustrates me more than someone saying, oh, your pay rates are great. And I'm like, compared to what? Your pay rates are low compared to what? I want people to compare our company with very specific current positions. It, it's not okay for someone to say, wow, your pay rate is great, and I'm looking at a job in Tacoma, and someone else is comparing a job in, in Seattle. I'm like, well, maybe that job pays higher or lower. So you got to look at the specific job to really know what company is offering the best pay package. So it has to be, it's it's this hospital in this city, and it's this shift, it's, it's 12-hour nights, and it's posted right now, and here's what company A, B, and C are offering, and clearly company A is paying more. And, you know, but I like Company B's recruiter. So this is where you have to make your own decision, and only you can make that decision. All right, so I guess to finalize this thought, for newbies, listen, I, I am not a big fan of how our industry works. I don't like the agency model currently. If you really step back and think about it, and here's where I'm going to repeat myself. For those of you who have heard this many times before, I want you to hear it if you never have. I can only compare it with, with being a used car salesman. I mean, it, it, that is, it's a cliche, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. That's a tough gig, by the way. But if you, if you go in that realm, we all have primarily the same jobs. So for, for when you're coming across agencies that have the exact same job, realize that we're all selling the same stuff, and we're all selling it at different rates. And I can't for the life of me understand why a traveler would knowingly take a job at lower pay you know, with, with agency A over agency B. This is why you have to be very, very careful. I mean, if you think about our industry, it's a joke. Every company out there is trying to convince you to take a job with them regardless of how thick their margins are or how, you know, thick or thin your pay package is. That's, that's the farce. That's what makes me scratch my head. That's what keeps me up at night going, why don't people think about that? It's ridiculous. And tomorrow there'll be two more companies out there in the country that are, that are going to jump on, do everything they can to get on with that vendor. And there's another two companies that have the same job, and they're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to have a better idea how to market you. They're going to have a better idea how to call you. They're going to have a better way to do it. But really what it comes down to is how much are they paying, and how are they, how are they trying to differentiate themselves? And in my opinion, the only difference between company A and company B is how much money they're keeping and how much money they're letting you know, free and, and they're clearing to go to you. That's the only decision companies have to make. You can't change how much a vendor is charging you if there's a vendor involved. You cannot change how much taxes you're paying for you know, state, federal, I'm sorry, federal, state, local, if there is any in that particular, and if there is any state. That's, that's all predicated and based upon the taxable hourly rate you're making. <clears throat> it's not based upon how much money they're giving you tax-free, so know that. So those are fixed figures based upon those, 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 those amounts. The only other decision a company has to make is how much money are we keeping of the pie and how much money are we giving to the traveler? You know, between tax, taxable income and non-taxable income. That's the only decision. That's the only difference. And I, I, again, this industry has somehow travelers have kind of forgotten that. Now I think it's getting better, but it's it's amazing to me and so remarkable to me how many years and years and years that didn't seem to matter. It was all about a company, you know, getting getting a good reputation. Now the one thing that's never changed, and I again this is where I missed it, and I think I beat up monolith companies a lot. There is great value 
in a company that has a huge number of positions. And like I've always said, if I was a CEO of that company, I'd be promoting that. Now, they don't do a lot of promotions. They rely upon the fact that they do have the positions. So I don't care if it's good times or you know feast or famine times, they're always going to have a ton of positions. And I think there's some really good value to that. And I hope I hope you guys hear me on that. I don't know if, if it's if there are times when there's a lot of jobs, I think they fall down. And I think they probably are okay with that. I mean, they don't like it, but they, they probably understand that that happens. When things are thin, they tend to be pushed up. And I don't think there's any way for anybody to control that. It is a supply and demand driven industry. And when you hold the contracts for most of these facilities, you are not going to release them to your counterparts who are subcontracting with you for them to offer it. You want to fill them yourself at the rates that are there. If you want this job, you've got to take it through us because we have the contract. That's a that's a great thing for them at sometimes, but it is it's really, really important to compare other aspects. That is a, a plus and a feather in their cap. And when you're looking and you're finding when you're when you're looking for your assignment and you've got your three people, you're gonna be able to compare pretty heavily on what makes sense. And again, most travelers do this and this is what I would probably recommend. See if the, and by the way, the, the recruiter's model should pay more than anybody else for the same job. So you're going to look, does my recruiter's option have a job or how many jobs do they have in the areas in which I'm willing to go to? And great, I'm going to apply to those, a lot of them or just a handful. If they don't have that many, then I'm going to apply to those first. I'm hoping I'm going to get those, but I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket. I'm going to reach out to my next probably highest paying, and that's going to be my recruiter company, my, my mom and pop or lifestyle company and I'm going to see what they can offer me. I'm going to validate that they're paying the highest. I'm going to check to make sure that they are. And if they aren't going to have it, I'm also going to apply to a handful of my, my plan C because it is got to be, I can't not work. It's got to be my backup plan. But typically, those are going to be the lowest paying. And now I feel like I'm going to you know, potentially take the first one thing I get. If, if I'm getting a bunch of offers, then I, then I know which one do I want. It's probably going to be monetarily based, which means maybe the recruiter list company works maybe the other one works it's going to be who's got me an offer how do i feel about my potential of getting another offer i don't want to sit on one you usually have about 24 to 48 hours max to accept it and you'll it'll be decision time i've got these two offers and i'm going to take this one because of this reason and only you have the answer to that and that's where you have to turn off the recruiter and make your decision on what you know is best for you so that's that so I guess to finalize that thought, I don't care if you're talking about a monolith company, you're talking about a standard recruiter company, recruiter-based company, or you're talking about a recruiterless model, I think you guys should contact a couple of them or at least reach out to a couple of them. For those two first two categories, I would call a bunch and, again, be willing to do the work. This is important stuff. I mean, most people tell you your agency is going to be a big part of your overall satisfaction on your on your assignment and, it, and making a mistake early on is, is a tough lesson to learn I would apply to a number of them and I shouldn't apply I would talk to as many of them as you as you can just possibly stand and whittle it down to one of each of those and for a recruitless option I would take a look at whatever it is whether you're looking at a phone like with next gen med staff or you're looking at a website um, you know look at the jobs they have and decide does this have does this company have what I'm, what I'm looking for you know, those models, again, I, again, this is going to sound like a promoting, but if you really think about it, if you don't have to send them any paperwork, then it doesn't hurt to be able, if, if you can see, and I think some of the other companies, I think they, they do, they show you that if you can see gross weekly pay amounts, it doesn't hurt to be on there. If they start asking you, like, in other words, if you're not seeing 
you know, what we have as anything of interest. And again, don't shoot the messenger. It's that bill rates are low. That means the hospital's got a little bill rate. You know, we're at 17% across the board. So, and that, by the way, that will probably change if you're watching this a few years down the road. So don't know that that's a, we're a lower number by now if it's 2026 or 2025. But if you're not being asked to send in paperwork, and I guess that if you're not from the first two, but most of them you have to, then I would I would be willing to apply to a number of recruiterless options. I would look at, not apply, I would be looking at a number of different options. If it's an app like ours is where it notifies you, it doesn't hurt to have it. I think I would add that regardless. I mean, just, it makes sense. But you got to whittle these down. If you're being asked to send paperwork, I am not going to tell you that I think, I mean, three is a good number. If you're willing to do five, and you know, again, whether it's any of those three options, if you actually have to send in paperwork, then you know you know what kind of pain you're willing to go through. And listen, I get it. A resume is easy to send. Certifications are typically easy, and you should have those. I didn't mention that episode one. You should have those in a packet where you can shoot them off. Typically, a company is going to ask you to do their skills checklist. So they, it's that self-evaluation. If you have a, and I'll, I'll give them a plug, Relias type skills checklist that is universal, that makes life really easy for you. If you happen to have access to that or you're willing to go and do that yourself, that makes life easy because most agencies, whether they're recruiter-based or recruiter-list, will accept the Relias because it's more of a test. Um, most of you guys stress out about those more, but if you're willing to do that, then it doesn't hurt to apply to more companies. It makes it easier. But I think there's a point where it, you just don't want everybody having it. One of the big reasons is that for any, com- any of those companies, you have to validate and make sure that you're not being submitted to jobs that you haven't discussed or that you don't want to go in front of. That is such a crucial part of our industry. And to this day, companies still do that. You'll have a, a recruiter typically, or they're being taught this, that goes a little rogue and you wanted this this location, but they put you in front of that one because they just knew you'd want you'd to take it. That makes you look bad in the industry, and then you actually don't get the job with the company that pays higher. That's one of the tricks and reasons why they do it. Well, we submitted you, so you have to take it with us, even though these other three or four or 200 companies are paying more than they are. You feel like you have to take it. And I've I've had facilities say you gotta take it with them. It is horse you know what. You shouldn't do that. But that's one of the reasons why you don't wanna give too many people your information because they will start submitting you. I mean, like it or not, as a recording of this, it's it's still happening, so. I think you need to whittle those down. I think that's how much are you willing to put out there. You don't have to follow my model of three. I don't think you should do less than three. I think you should do one of each of those. And I think if you can do more, then I would recommend do more because it's just going to give you more information to a point. When you start feeling like "Eh, these too many people have my stuff and I need to be in control, which you should always be in control of where you're being submitted and with whom you're being submitted to. You, you You work... At the hospital, you work through an agency. Don't ever make an agency feel like you work for them. You don't. You work for a facility or for a system, and you're working through a company. That's about as much credit as I can give us. It is not working for us. We don't have. We have very little to do with it, except for to you know float your payroll for six weeks. Again, this industry, we, we most agencies take too much credit, like they're working for you. They're not. They're just they're working for the hospital or for the vendor, and they happen to choose your agency. So, please keep that in mind. So whittle that down. All right. Compare all pay rates. Compare all locations before you choose your thing. I said that already. I want to repeat myself. Um, you've got to use your marketability. Here's where that comes into play, and I want to explain that to you. This is, I think, more than anything, and I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of this episode. But here's why I want to go to a little more, a little more detail, and I'm going to really hit you on this with as much as I can. Truly between seasonality, between the market trends, and between your level of experience, this is where you need to make decisions on how much do I need to stick with my plan A 
how, how willing am I and how marketable am I before I go to my plan B or my plan C? And that's where you've got to have a really honest conversation with yourself. This is where, again, I mean, for many of you, the monolith company might be your only choice for a little while. So realize that. I mean, I think you should still look at some other potentials. I think you should go for it because, you know, this industry is not very predictable. You might get very lucky and you might have, I don't know, you never know. The manager of that unit may have gone to the same you know, school that you went to and that's all that they needed. You just, you just don't know why you're getting chosen. There may be some, you know, something about a place you work that might connect with who the hiring person that you just don't know. And I've seen so many weird things in this industry for this many years. I've seen amazing candidates, both allied and nursing, not get calls and not get offers. And then I've seen people that I did not expect to get an offer, get an offer. It's as common or almost as common as, as when you know someone's going to get a deal. You know, I, I like really strong quality candidates that are willing to go in front of a bunch of places. So that's where I'm going to push you guys in the marketability, regardless of who you are working with and how many people you're working with. If you're not getting instant calls, you, you got to be careful not to blame the agency. I think, again, it has to do with how many people you're putting in front, how many jobs you're being truly submitted to, how long they've been sitting there. We'll talk about that in a minute. And what your marketability is more than anything else. This is where you really have to be realistic. And it's hard. We all, I think we all as humans want to, and I think we should. I think you got to pump yourself up. I think you got to put yourself on a pedestal. Nobody else does. I think you got to be careful not to be, you know, egocentric about it. But we, you do. You need to be proud of what you are and who you are. We don't, we don't treat ourselves very nicely. That being said, you also have to be very realistic. You have to have an honest conversation with yourself. If you have less experienced than the average person that you're probably competing against, then you need to realize that, yes, I'm going to go for that big position. I'm going to go for that high dollar or that fantastic location or one that has both. But I also need to make sure I'm, I've got a backup plan. And again, I think this is where, for many of you, the monolith company might end up being delivering for you more often. I think then the next, I think that the, the recruitless model might deliver for you the least because if they're paying the most, they've got more people that are being, that are going to them. I know with our company, we tend to have some very strong travelers that, that put their stuff into us because they're going to get the job and they want the job at the highest rate, which means they're going to go with us and they'll get it. It doesn't mean that we don't get jobs for people that don't have that much experience, but it, it, is, it seems like we have more people that have solid experience that are saying, hey, I, I, I can work with this company. That is not to turn you guys off on working with us. I still, like I said, get surprises. I have people that I just don't think, wow, gosh, she only went in front of one position and she only has this amount of experience, or he does, and boom, they get it. So you've got to go for it. But you really do need to talk and think about your marketability. Listen to that episode. Figure out how high in the pecking order you are and realize that if you're dealing with a recruiter company, whether it's a monolith or a ready company, that also comes into play with how much attention is that recruiter giving you. When you're dealing with a recruiter, a recruiter list application, you're, that's a good thing about that. You are not being judged or scrutinized based upon how much money someone's going to make who's submitting you. And that's a really important concept to think about. So that's why I like going in front of those jobs if you can, but don't just put all your eggs in that basket. The great thing about a recruiter list model, because I may not remember to say this, is that there's no discrimination based upon, in other words, there's nobody at those companies, and I can't speak for other ones, but I know for ours, 
we don't sit there and go, there's nobody that's trying to figure out who gets submitted first or who gets a, a call first. It doesn't happen. It comes right here. So every single psych RN that was looking for Indiana, if an Indiana job comes up at the exact same second, which is almost instantaneous to it being posted, they all get the notification. And the first one that gets in front is put in first. If it's an hour later, someone goes, they're put in front of it. There's no discrimination based upon someone saying, ooh, does this person going to make me money? Am I going to call her about this psych job in Indiana? Or am I going to call him? Or is psych not even a, I'm going to look at the cath lab, you know, nurses. I'm going to look at the occupational therapist first, and I'm going to go down that road because I make more commission. That is one wonderful thing about that third option, and, and most people don't think about that, and I'm trying to implore you to do that. You have no discrimination based upon your marketability, your ability to secure a job, your experience, your specialty, your level of acuity. I mean, there's no difference between a surge tech and an operating room nurse because some companies, a recruiter is going to go, I make twice as much money on an ORN, especially if they're first assist and I do a search tech. So I want to call the RNs first. Realize that happens. I, I don't mean to paint the bad picture, but it's true. They make more money, so who do you think they're going to call first? And that's one wonderful aspect of a recruiter's model. And again, I can't speak for other companies, but if they're ran like ours are, you, you, you apply, you get your paperwork, and you get submitted instantly regardless of, of you know how many jobs you're going in front of or what your level is or how many years of experience you have. So you're in the same boat, but once you're in front, it is going to be based you know, probably and potentially on that manager on who has the most experience. So I'm just telling you that look for that. Look at your marketability and be willing to kind of open up and, and kind of figure out you know that. Let's talk about some details now. When it comes to any company, I don't care what model we're looking at, monolith, you know, recruiter-based, recruiter-less. Again, this is why I will tell you guys, please, please, please go back and listen to two important episodes if you haven't already. I think it's episode 41. is hours 36 to 40 is what it's titled. And I think there's one on holiday or overtime or callback. It's all the same thing. If, I, if, you repeat, if I'm repeating myself and you guys have heard this, either listen to it again or fast forward you know, a couple minutes. It won't be that long. When if you're working 40 hours a work week or 40 hours a week, whether it's 10 hours, you know, four tens or five eights, or if you're the type of traveler that if you're on a 12 hour shift and you only work those 36 hours and you never anticipate getting a 37th hour or even a 36.25 hours, <clears throat> then this won't apply to you. It won't matter. However, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to pause this because I, I got a dry throat. I go get some water. Hang tight. I'm going to come back. I'm going to pause it. I don't usually do this, but I, I've got to. Otherwise, I'm not going to get through this. All right, thank you guys. I had to get my water. I won't drink in front of the microphone because I hate that sound. I won't do that to you guys. I'm irritating enough. Let's talk about hours 36 to 40 because I want to give this some time. Remember, we have a bill rate, for those of you guys who don't know this. We're going to say it's 100 bucks an hour because that's pretty common, 90 bucks, 100 bucks, 100 bucks an hour. When we, the first thing a company does when they are looking at quoting you a pay package is that they're taking the number of weeks that that assignment is, is being offered for and they're multiplying it by the number of anticipated minimum hours a week you're going to get. So either 36 or 40. Unless it's a 48-hour guarantee. We'll talk about that. I'm not going to talk about that, but that's a different monster entirely. The first thing that every recruiter has in front of them, you know, the first thing that our app does is it spits out that gross weekly based upon that amount. How much is it? So what, they're, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, we're taking 13 weeks, typically, by 36 hours, which comes to 468 hours. That is our assumption that that is the number of hours that you are going to work, minimally. 
that people get sick, people work overtime. But we're not going to think about that because we're just quoting you a pay rate. There's no way for a recruiter to sit there and anticipate that. One qualification, you know, before I do that, if you're working 40 hours and it's, you multiply that by 13 weeks, it's 520. And obviously the less hour or less weeks, if it's an eight-week assignment or if it's a 26-week assignment, that all should come into play with an agency's software and how they're going to quote a rate. One wrinkle I want to tell you guys about, and, and we talked about it in Unbillable BS, an episode called that, is that I can't speak for other companies, but most companies do this. There are systems out there that, for example, a big common thing is they're saying we can't bill for the first eight hours of orientation. Now, again, you guys are going to find I'm going to tell you everything. My company, when for those assignments, and, and I'd say maybe... Maybe 33% of our assignments are that way. Most of our assignments to this day still allow us to bill for orientation. I think the bigger we get, the more vendors we go with, the more systems that are starting to catch on. Hey, we cannot, you know, bill for the have the company bill us for the first eight hours. It'll get bigger. But again, right now, on those assignments, our app automatically takes that 468, for example, and makes it 460 hours. So it slightly adjusts your rate because we can't bill for that. And we're not going to just pay someone for free. So that's why we pay for every hour of orientation because it's all part of it. We know we're going to, that we're looking at a total of 460 real billable hours. So we do that math automatically. And I'm kind of explaining that differently, but most companies will do that. Most companies will do that. Some companies do that regardless of whether there's orientation or not. They have a sweeping thing that's 10 hours or whatever. I've seen as many as 40 hours for some assignments. The first 40 hours are not billable. Well, a company, especially one outside on a super thin margin, cannot afford to eat that. It may surprise you, but one week typically is our profit. You know, it's almost like we, we basically break even for 12, 12 weeks, and that 13th week is all of our money. So if we're giving that week for free, we basically work for free. It doesn't make sense. So there's no way a company can survive doing that. But the first thing, regardless of what I just said, the first thing that we are doing is we are calculating an anticipated number of total hours for the assignment. That's how we get to the figure of what we're going to be able to pay you taxable because the tax-free amount is typically fixed with, you know, based upon GSA, that sort of thing. Some companies have different models that they use for that. But those are all finite numbers, so it's a really easy calculation. It does it automatically where it's saying what's left over based upon a company's margin. So here's my question for you, and for those of you that are, are newbies, this, you may not understand this, but what you're going to see if you've never traveled before is every agency out there is going to say, here is your taxable income for your hourly rate, and they're based that on 36 or 40, and here's what we're going to pay you because they've already done the math. Here's your weekly, catch you, catch me, I'm not saying, get this right, here's your weekly amount of your stipend. We do it too. It's it's based upon how much the GSA is in our case, and we multiply that by seven days a week. What do they allow for meals and incidentals? And here's also your weekly housing stipend. So if you really think about it, take the housing away, but your compensation really is a taxable hourly rate and a weekly amount, which really means we've just carved out that weekly amount because we multiplied it by seven days a week. Really what that is, is that's still your income, if you follow me. Just one happens to be taxable and one is tax-free. So for those first 36 hours, we've, in our case, we've maximized that tax-free amount and we've given it to you tax-free. So when it comes to, let's say, a 37th hour, we can't give you any more tax-free. And this is the the the... the 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 term and, the, and, and what most travel agencies hide behind. If you ask for, I want both of those things. I mean, why am I only getting taxable? Because, and they'll say, well, we've maximized your tax-free, which I've always said is a true statement. They have maximized your tax-free in many cases, but that's still your income. It doesn't change the fact that up between zero and 36 hours in this case, 
your income is based upon taxable and tax-free, but it's still both your income. They just carved out some of it because they can as meals and incentives, but that is still your money. So why is it that on that 37th hour, they only give you a portion of it? Sometimes it's 70%, sometimes it's 80%. What companies should be doing is saying, let's take that amount. Let me grab a calculator here on my phone. And a common one is, I'll say, is 413. That is like, the, I think, the lowest meals and incentives rate in the country where, you know, it's, it's a pretty rural area and it's the lower cost of living. And there's a finite number, but it's 413, which I know comes to 11 and something. So here's what I'm doing so you guys know. Make sure I get a calculator app open here. So what I'm doing is I'm taking, in this case, $413, which you guys will see as a common weekly meals and incidentals figure. I'm going to divide that by 36 hours because that's how many hours that is. That's a weekly amount. I'm only working 36. So what does that come to hourly? Well, it comes to $11.47 an hour. That just happens to be your income based on seven days a week, but it's tax-free based on 36 hours, if that makes sense. What companies should be doing is they should be saying, I'm going to give you that $11.47. I'm going to add it to, let's just say, your $45 an hour. That was your taxable rate, if that makes sense. And now I'm going to take that, and now you're making $56.47 an hour for hours 36 to 40. And the drum roll, we're going to tax you on all that because we have to, because we have, in fact, maximized your tax-free amount. This is fair. It's fair for two reasons. One of them is on that 37th hour, my bill rate's still 100 bucks. So if I'm only giving you... If I'm, if I'm taking 1147 in this case, or 1142 or 47, 40, 42, and I'm putting, and I'm not paying you on that, regardless if it's taxable or not taxable, then I'm ripping you off for $11.42 an hour because my bill rate stayed the same, but all of a sudden what I'm paying out goes less. If you follow me on that, I hope that makes sense. I just kept 1147 of your of your money for that 37th hour instead of giving it to you. And, I, and of course, companies will say, well, it's taxable, so I'm going to pay payroll tax on it. Yeah, guess what? It's also an additional hour that's above that 468 that we weren't anticipating. So we didn't figure that into your pay calculation when we were quoting your rate, remember? This is a bonus hour. And if you do it every week, there's going to be 13 of these, right? It's 13 more hours that you worked that we didn't anticipate. Your pay rate was not quoted on that additional 13 hours. So it's extra money. So why a company has to improve their margin instead of decreasing it makes no sense with our company you guys will see it right on our app it shows here's what we're paying for hours 36 to 40 that's the simple math we're doing we're taking the number of anticipated hours if it's 36 and we're we're dividing we're, we have divided that meals and incentives rate by 36 to come up that additional amount and we put it on to your taxable amount and we're taxing on all of it that by the way ladies and gentlemen that higher figure in this case you know 40 what did i say 47 i can't remember now i gotta put it back up 5647 should be what is multiplied by 1.5 to get you your overtime your call back and your holiday pay in this case it's 84 dollars and 71 cents most companies are just going to take that 45 dollars and multiply it by 1.5 i don't know why i did the math on that and give you 67.50 Again, extra hours that we we're anticipating. And this is where I think you guys really need to start thinking about this stuff. Why a company has more hours than they were anticipating over the course of assignment, quoted you on a minimum, yet you're getting more money and they've increased their margin and decreased your take home. Makes zero sense to me. And they're doing it for when you work overtime too. And some companies kind of skip the 36 to 40 and they say, hey, here's a higher overtime rate than more than 1.5. That's what they're doing. They're kind of getting you for those four hours by not paying you any more, keeping $11 in our case, $11.42 or whatever that was, 72 cents for four hours. Then they're paying you slightly higher for the last eight. They've already made a ton more money off of you than they were thinking about. 
it's wrong. So here's what I went through all of that to tell you guys, you've got to find a company that pays you properly. I am hearing since I've been chirping on this for about seven years now that more there's a few more companies are doing this. I've had many people say, hey, I actually got paid that way from one of my companies. It's because if you're a newbie, you don't know this, but veteran travelers are demanding this. And again, I hope as this episode ages that more and more as time goes by, this is becoming less of an issue. I really hope in five years someone goes, what is he talking about? Everyone pays like that because it didn't used to be like it is now. People are now agreeing to getting only the taxable rate for hours 36 to 40 and only time and a half of that taxable rate for anything that is you know, for overtime. It's just time and a half of the taxable. That makes zero sense. We're talking about 12 hours more typically than what we were anticipating that week. The margin should be reduced. That was a lot of discussion, but I think this is super important. And again, I, I really am hoping that more and more companies do this. You guys, this is wrong. It's just wrong. This is the kind of stuff that I think makes our industry look like you know what. It makes, it's just a, it makes it look sleazy. It makes it look like I described earlier, and, and we got to stop that. You guys are in charge. If you stop working for companies that do that, and you ethically can explain to them, and your career, this is why that relationship is so important, and you can say, hey, how come I'm not making this? You guys have already more than made your, your money back on, on your profit, I should say. Your profit model has been satisfied based upon my 36 hours, so why are you increasing your margins after that and why are you you know really increasing your margins if i work really hard you guys should be getting more of the pie which means again if you it doesn't seem like you're getting more of the pie but the fact is you're gonna we're gonna pay higher payroll taxes on hours 36 to 40 i'm okay with that it reduces our margin we're making less significantly because it's bonus for us but it should be more bonus for you and then overtime it's the same thing we're paying even higher on those payroll taxes we're barely making a lot of margin on that because it's you know just enough to kind of justify how long it takes for us to get paid it is almost a break even for us on overtime but all of it ends up going to you and a lot of it goes to you know our bank because they're we're paying interest on that for a while because it is what it is i'm okay with that because these are extra hours and i want to reward my travelers for you know doing what they for working harder the truth is almost every other company out there punishes you and actually takes more of a margin. So you got to have this understanding. And that's why I went through this. If any of this is making sense to you, go back and listen to that episode. It will now because it'll, it'll be a better description. This is why it's so important to prepare yourself as a, as a newbie. It's, we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars a year. Just minimally, if you just do some math on a, on a company that's just paying you more money, let alone a company that's paying you properly for 3640 and properly for holiday callback and overtime, if those things come a lot for you, you're really walking away from a whole bunch of money because of the company that you chose. So be super careful. I want to say this. You are the commodity. And again, I've said this to a lot of other people, but if this is the first time you've watched me, understand that as a newbie, you're a commodity still. Are you less valuable? Yep, I'm going to tell you that. You're less valuable commodity than other people because it probably takes you more time. You have to be submitted to more places to get a position. But if you follow what I'm telling you, you're going to get positions right away because you're not going to go for the ones that everybody else is. You're going, to, you're going to start building your resume and building your career. You're valuable to every company out there regardless of what how you feel. You're the commodity. You guys have to start acting like that. Start making us agencies do things right. This is not the way it was when I first got in this industry. It became a thing 10, 12, 15 years ago where, where companies stopped paying properly for hours 36 to 40 and overtime. This is one example of how you've got to be smart and you've got to know your numbers so if this is kind of scaring you it's okay you can get it from us at travel evolve you can get it from some of your mentors the people that know what they're doing if, if you're talking to another traveler they don't know what you're talking about 
it's not the right person to take advice from and turn them on to this too because it might open their eyes too as well but I want you guys to understand that from now on you need to know that every one of us agencies is working and doing our best to become attractive to you so that you guys work for us I'm doing it by paying you a lot more money and paying you properly and I'm making life easier and I'm making it so that you aren't waiting around for a recruiter you're not having to put everything you you're looking for and every change you make through a recruiter you can do it instantly on your phone I think that's the way it's gonna go in the future of it and I think if you're if you're a newbie and you're younger you probably agree with me I think it's some of the older travelers that are kinda of stuck in their ways that don't quite see that but it's what's coming it just doesn't make sense to do it the old way anymore so okay now you've got your mouth I'm gonna turn the pages I'm getting close I know this episode's taking a long time I knew it would but this one I wanted to spend some time with because I felt kinda of bad about the first one that I just basically said go and watch a bunch of episodes but that one still by the way is more important than this one right it just is so be careful of staying with any company if you're not seeing what you're looking for again if you've had it if you have to turn paperwork into them if you can see things and you can communicate if you can talk to a recruiter without having to, and, and he or she will will work as hard and, and send you job details <laughs> right they're not going to do anything until they send the paperwork in them trust me they won't but if you can find that or if you've got a recruiterless model whether it's online or an app or whatever and you can look at stuff fine but if you're not getting what you're looking for from those other two categories or if you have to apply and actually send paperwork to a bunch of companies that are recruiterless then you've got to be willing to change quickly and again you know how much applications you can do but it's really important at the very beginning as you build marketability based upon your level of experience and your experience as a traveler your value is going to increase you have to be willing to say hey this recruiter my relationship has changed with him or her or this model of company maybe that I'm seeing where I can get my I'm starting to get more jobs from plan B and you know plan A and plan B and not having to drop down the plan C this is where you need to drop companies and start putting your efforts into into higher paying you know companies regardless of what their model is and that's why I will say and I, I gave a lot of kudos to model companies but they're probably gonna be the first people that you dump once you start seeing that you're getting offers from higher paying positions it just makes sense it doesn't mean you're going to dump them. I, I still think it'd be it'd be crazy not to you know you can contact them when you need them. You're you know instead of telling everybody you want a job, you're going to start saying, hey, tell this thing I want a job. If I don't get it, I'm going to go to this next step down and the next step down to that. The point I'm making is be willing to change, especially if your recruiter changes or especially if your relationship with somebody that you're dealing with, if you're having to deal with that recruiter. If it's starting to feel like you're doing all the work and they're not working in your best interest, then it's time for you to, to switch companies. It just isn't. Don't be don't be upset or don't have a heavy heart about that. They aren't doing their job, and, and that's part of the game is that they've got to treat you like gold. Remember, I just said, you're the commodity. If you're starting to feel like you're doing all the work, then you know you better start making more money from it by working with a recruiter list you know, model than that. So be willing to separate from a recruiter or from a company that doesn't, Feel like they're delivering for you is what I guess I'm getting at. Here, here's a couple things I want you to think about with a model of company. How bad is their pay? How how much of a number are you? That's going to be the first thing that's going to have you leave with a recruiter company. Um, how hard are they working for you? Remember, if for those of you that think you have to have a recruiter, I'm going to ask you this question: Is having a recruiter worth? whatever the difference is between a recruiter list and a recruiter company. Sometimes it's, you know, I mean, during the pandemic, it was $1,000 a week that we were paying. I remember an LPN, she's done a couple promos for us that were an LPN was making $1,000 more with us a week than she was seeing with any other company. Now, that was when the rates were completely high. I certainly can't say that now. But based upon the bill rates, I mean, the bigger the bill rate, in other words, the more demand there is, the more a disparagement between companies is going to show up. When the rates are low, they all kind of look the same. But even 50 bucks a week is important. 
50 bucks a week times 52 weeks of the year and then start talking about that 36 to 40 and how is that being paid and, and what and how much is overtime it's significant it multiplies pretty quickly so don't you know kind of poo poo a 50 dollar difference in pay rates i don't know why you you willingly take a sign with a company that pays 50 dollars less than somebody else because it's going to start to to increase that means they're losing their their competition level and they're starting to lose jobs to companies that are paying more and i think this is how you guys change the industry so be aware of that. How high are you on their priority? This is where I want to, I'm going to spend a little bit of time, but I don't want to go too long in this episode, too late. With any recruiter company, like I said earlier, you have to be prioritized. And that's just a simple fact, and you guys have to recognize that. When you're having an honest look at your marketability, realize that a recruiter is having their, whether it's honest or not, their opinion of how fast they can make money. How easy are you to make commission on? In other words, how fast can I book this person? And there's so many variables based upon that. And a lot of it, you know, we'll throw, throw them out there. How many years of experience do they have? That's, that's a real thing, right? How many years of travel do they have? What kind of licenses do they have? In other words, are they in for nursing? Are they compact license? Are they, are they a, you know, a surge tech that they can go to almost every state and they've got the other states that require you know, specific state licensures? Are they that marketable? How willing are they to go anywhere? What's their, what is their specialty? Is it especially it's in high demand or is it especially that seems to have fewer positions and when there, there are, there's just a whole bunch of people that get submitted to them. All these things come into play and please know that a recruiter looks at you when they get a job in and they, they see their list and it changes throughout the day and they see, for example, I'll just take a psych position. I said that earlier. If a psych position comes up, they're going to say, okay, which one of my travelers will, is willing to go to that location? All right, now which one of my travelers, my candidates also is willing to go for that rate or less so they're eliminating people and they're saying okay now who's the first call i'm going to make and the chances of it being you are slim there's probably somebody who's willing to take a lower pay or has more marketability they're going to reach out and say hey i guess got four jobs in and here's where they all are and that candidate might go in front of all of them you may be only willing to go in front of one or you might not be willing to go in front of any on paper and they're going to try to call and sell you and talk you into it that prioritization comes into play every second of every day in a recruiter's life and it's something that nobody talks about, but not everybody is getting the first phone call or getting the first text or is getting the first response or, or whatever it is, however they communicate with you. They are prioritizing what is the most important and fastest candidates that I can explain this position to right now today that's going to reap the fastest rewards. In other words, who's going to get the job fastest and I'm going to start making commission and I can book that traveler. And if you're lower on that list you're going to get calls less and you know a lot you know later so you've got to be you have to realize how big of a priority am i in for this recruiter and if you're starting to recognize it they're telling me about jobs that came out you know i'm i'm making a phone call at the end of the day and i know i got another, another recruiter calling me about it earlier in the day or i saw on my app that it came out last night and I actually applied with next gen med staff and i'm already in front of it waiting for the manager this morning and my recruiter is calling to tell me these are things you have to consider if your recruiter is not prioritizing you high, you got to get rid of that recruiter and, and that potential that company and find someone else that's going to put a little bit more stock in you and be willing to make a phone call. But you guys are always being prioritized no matter what. And it's not something anybody talks about, like I said. Are they, is that recruiter selling you <laughs> or are they listening to you? That's the other biggest complaint we hear and I've heard it for, you know, all up until three years ago. A recruiter's job is to make money, and they're to make money for the company. If they aren't performing, they're not going to have that job much longer. And then after that, if they are making money, they're trying to make as much money for themselves and their families as they can. I mean, we can't blame them. But do you understand that it is it is that you, you can't get rid of that. 
and, and I shouldn't say you can't get rid of it. You can get rid of it, but people aren't getting rid of that. So it exists. So you've got to kind of look and say, are they selling me or are they really listening to me? Am I getting phone calls and, you know, about jobs that I don't really want because the recruiter is trying to push me? And I would say the same thing. If you're working with a recruiterless model, you've got to be honest with yourself and look at or, you know, put in the jobs that you're willing to take. Because if you only put the jobs that you want to take, you're going to get sold by a recruiter and the company probably had that job for higher pay. You've got to treat yourself like a recruiter. So if you're looking at a website company, you've got to say, now, I'm not seeing where I really like from there. Let me, let me look at some other place that I'm willing to go to. And all of a sudden you start seeing some jobs there that a recruiter has, but it should be paying higher. Again, that's why I love our model is that you get to decide what you see and what you look at, and it's instant. So just know that some recruiters are starting to sell you. If you start to feel you're being sold and they're, they're clearly not hearing you, then it, it's time for you to switch those companies for sure. Um, you need to, for those agencies, you need to be very precise about where and why and how much money you're willing to go with those assignments for. Again, one of the benefits, and I know I keep talking about this, but one of the benefits of a recruiterless model is that you should instantly be able to change your, your variables. I now am willing to either, I don't want to go there and I want to go to these areas or I want to add these areas. What's wonderful about it is in tough times, you can start to expand your circle. Maybe you have You've given a recruiterless model your choice A, and now it's time to give them a choice B and choice C so you start to see those. You can do that 24 hours a day with a recruiterless model, and if you can't, you've got to call and try to get that message to that recruiter, hope that he or she took notice of it, followed your instructions, and is now going to either change or tweak or add to your you know, destination or your pay rate requirements. It, again, this is you guys see why this is so fundamentally archaic? And, and nobody's willing to talk about it. It just it makes zero sense at all. And even if it wasn't paying more, which they all recruiterless options should pay more, it still makes more sense. Sorry, I keep doing that. All right, so you got to be willing to, to switch. And, and what I'm saying is that for a lot of these recruiter models, if you don't like what you're seeing from your recruiter, you got to be willing to do some more paperwork. So that's just something you got to commit to. It is investment in yourself, right? So you don't want to make bad decisions. That's why you whittle it down to a few. But quickly, if you're not seeing the response, or you're not getting the the kind of prioritization you feel, or if you feel like you're being sold, you got to switch quick and be willing to do that paperwork so someone else will start working on your behalf. Okay. Last thing I want to say, and that was a lot, and it was a long episode, but we're going to assume that you are looking at any offer and you are looking at it through educated eyes before you get it. This was about securing your first assignment. So Next week, I'm going to talk about, you know, what happens there. And we're going to talk about everything from credentialing to, you know, how to continue and how to advance your travel career and what that first assignment is going to look like. And, and so you kind of know. But I'm going to assume at the end of this episode that any offer you're getting, you are comfortable and familiar and you understand that offer. And there's no question. So if you're choosing to work with a company that just pays you taxable income on hours 36 to 40 and you're OK with that, bless your heart. And if they're only willing to pay a time and a half of that, great. If you're willing to go for a lower rate, that's fine. None of that is anybody's business. And nobody should be out there trying to sell you or not sell you, if that makes sense. I think it's weird. But if you have a, a very compelling reason why that makes sense, then who am I to judge, right? That shouldn't be part of our industry, and I don't want it to be. So that's why I'm giving recommendations about getting some options out there. But regardless, you've got to know what you're looking at. And we're going to start you know, next week's episode, I'm going to say tomorrow, but it's not going to be until next week, off about those numbers and being able to really read an, an offer well. And you've got to know what you're doing. It's incredibly important. Do not start this phase I talked about. I'm going to say it again. Phase two, you know, securing your first assignment, please promise me, if you don't 
haven't you know put in the, the, the prep work, which was episode the first part of, of newbie boot camp, you should not be doing any of that stuff I talked about today. It's that important, guys and gals. You have to understand what's what you're looking at. You have to make sure this is right for you. I'm assuming you did all that before you listen to this episode, and this is why I wanted you to, to really start to get your feet wet, start actually looking at jobs. You got to be ready. Know that you can start within a couple of weeks, and you got to have your ducks in a row. If you don't, go back and do some more work. You owe it to yourself. Wow, it's only eight. No, it's nine fifteen. It's pretty late here. So it's very late out there, and I had a full day of work, so I'm pretty exhausted. I'm going to end it here, guys. I hope this was helpful. We'll catch you for part three next week. Appreciate you listening. Guys, we will catch you next time on Travel Evolved.